Welcome to the Healthy Tips Podcast, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by AppJudo for your software needs, BulletPad for writing lists on your iPad, and also sponsored by our listeners. That's folks like you. We're Kira and Bill Van Ittersom, and welcome to today's show. Today we're talking about cataract surgery. Hi, everyone. And cataract surgery is something that our family knows intimately well at this point. I have just finished having cataract surgery in both of my eyes, and I'm at the point where I'm waiting for my final examination where they do the prescriptions, and then I'll get my new glasses. So it's been quite a journey, but I was really amazed at studying about cataract surgery before I had mine done, and some of the statistics that are happening with cataract surgery in today's world. Yes, you know, I think over the past 15 years, cataract surgery has really become very common. It's the most common surgery performed on the human body anywhere across the Western world. And that's pretty amazing (laughs) to say that. Yeah. When I mentioned to friends about the fact that you were having it, they were just kind of like, well... That's all right. He'll be he'll be fine. That that happens all the time. <laughs> so something you just don't think about. But there are actually more than three and a half million cataract surgeries performed each year in the United States alone. So that's a lot of people. That affects between four and a half and five million people because not everybody gets both of their eyes done. Practically no one gets both of their eyes done at the same time. In a pinch, like if you're coming from overseas and you want it done in the U.S., They might do it over two or three days, but that's the soonest that they would, generally speaking. I mean, there are exceptions to every rule, but generally you wait a few weeks apart. And some people don't get their second eye done. They don't need it. Now, there may be some people out there who don't really know what cataracts are. Some of us are more familiar with it when we look into an older animal's eyes. For example, like one of our pets, our dogs, they get that cloudy white covering over the lens of the eye, and you can see it when you look into their eyes. Their eyes look cloudy, and that is what a cataract is. It's a medical term for that cloudiness of the eye's lens. There's a protein inside each of the eye's lens that sort of begin to solidify and clump up inside that lens, and it becomes opaque. And there's various reasons that researchers have begun to uncover for why that protein that's normally crystal clear It's a fluid. It's somewhat like water. It's not exactly, but it is absolutely beautifully crystal clear. And then for no apparent reason, it begins to clump up. Well, certain researchers are now beginning to attribute that to two or three or four different causes. One researcher has some feelings that it's connected with the sugar levels in your body, and it goes along with the beginning of adult-onset diabetes. Another doctor whose book I'm going to share with you in a minute talks about it being a shortage or a depletion in your body cells of vitamin C and glutathione, some of the tissue that is actually being sucked out of the eye when they do cataract surgery is showing a real reduction in vitamin C and glutathione. And so they're thinking that that may be why the protein is clumping up. And which book is that that you found that information? 
Well, that's Dr. Robert Abel Jr.'s book, The Eye Care Revolution, Prevent and Reverse Common Vision Problems. And he really believes that diet can not only help stop cataracts, but in some cases can actually reverse them so that the protein goes back into solution and the fluid actually goes back to crystal clear. And he's actually been successful with between 30 and 35% of his patients. Wow, that's quite uh, a It few. takes a while, several months to a couple of years, and you definitely have to step up the vitamin C intake, and you've got to step up the glutathione. And there are some costs involved in that. Glutathione is a fairly expensive supplement. It's encouraging, you know, and I think that as diet-related things like this change, we may begin to understand why diet does contribute to it, and maybe far less people would have this issue. If it is connected to the sugar levels in your bloodstream, that's an easy fix. Psychologically, not so easy, but it doesn't cost you anything to take the sugar out, whereas putting the glutathione in is expensive. But if you can get further and further into a plant-based diet and get away from direct sugars and indirect sugars like refined carbohydrates, then you could very well slow down cataract growth in your own eyes. Of course, you'll get healthier in other ways, too. Right. (laughs) Of course, you know, it's not so easy to do. You know, modifying your behavior is really hard. And so... Yeah, it's easy to see why only 35 to 40% are able to master this. But it's certainly worth the effort if people could do that. So what was my direct experience? Well, I say over the past four or five years, my optometrist and the occasional, you know, once every couple, three-year visits to the ophthalmologist, I've been getting reports that, yes, you have cataracts and Yes, they're beginning to form, and we're watching them, but so far, we're not too concerned. And I guess what was happening is the protein was beginning to clump up, but around the outside edges of the lens, so still leaving the center of the lens fairly clean and fairly open. Well, how did you know? What were you experiencing when you first... Well, at the first times that they started mentioning it, I really wasn't. I had gotten a new prescription for glasses, and I wear glasses both to see, to drive, and also to read and to use the computer. And then about two years ago, I noticed that I wasn't able to read as well as I could. First of all, I had to have fairly bright lights if I was sitting down to read a book or a magazine or the newspaper, and then to read the computer, and that's, of course, very well lit. But I was having to get closer and closer to the computer. I was having to increase the size of my documents from, let's say, I used to look at them at around 80%, 90%, and I'd have to use 125%, and then 150%. I'd have to boost the view on my browser to 125 or 150%. And then... Say about two years ago, I I went in and got a new prescription, and it seemed like it was only six months, and I wasn't very satisfied with it. It was like, man, did they screw up and not make these well? So then I went back again, and I said, you know, these just aren't working well for me, and I can't see close, and I can't read. So they did it again. They remade my glasses, thinking, well, maybe they had made a mistake. So that was about 12 months after I received them initially, maybe 14 
And then she's around uh, six, seven months later. I thought, this is just awful. And I was down to reading a book with a magnifying glass in my hand. I was even using the magnifying glass on the computer. Oh, my goodness. I'd have to get fairly close to the computer screen, six, eight inches away. I'd have to use a magnifying glass. Now, imagine how silly did I look when I was trying to type with two hands and I'm still trying to hold the magnifying glass up to the browser page on my screen. Oh, wow. That was such a pain in the butt. You were really struggling during that time, I remember, because you are on the computer virtually every day. Yes, every day. You know, and we're doing these podcasts, and we're researching, and we're doing writing. So it was really a struggle. Then it started getting more serious because I was having trouble driving at night. Well, one of the offshoots of cataracts is that bright lights of any kind will glare and will cause you to not see as well. So when you're in the big box store, And you've got those huge overhead fluorescent lights. It just drives me crazy. Oh, yeah. I remember remember that. You always complained about those lights. And then out on the road, I would have trouble because the street lights would get in my eyes or any of the lights at the intersections would get in my eyes. And it was difficult to see. And then trying to pick between the lighted areas and the darker areas, it was especially bad when I was at a corner and I was waiting at a stoplight and I had to turn left into a street. And it was absolutely terrible if that street had a median. I can't tell you how many times, more than once, that with no traffic in that street, I actually turned down the wrong side of the median into the oncoming traffic. There were several times that I corrected you Luckily, when I was sitting next to you and said, wait, wait, don't do it No here. cars coming up. This got to be fairly serious. And you know, that could have been a traffic accident. So, you know, I went back to the optometrist's office. I said, I got to have new glasses. You've got to, this is driving me crazy. You've got to do something. And they said, well, our records show you just had those made last year, not even a year ago. And I go, I know, but something's not right. So my optometrist did another check and she said, well, there's nothing I can do. And I said, there's nothing you can do or there's nothing that you will do. (laughs) I'm starting to get a little hot. Luckily, I didn't get into her case too bad. She says, well, wait, relax. There's nothing I can do because your cataracts have gotten bad enough that we're not going to be able to fix your sight with glasses. We could get you the best glasses ever. And you probably remember as a child seeing people with those Coke bottle glasses. And that's where you're headed. And without having your cataracts repaired, you are not going to see any better. So now, I'm making you an appointment with the ophthalmologist, and you can come in and talk to the doctor and then work it out. Now, what I really want the audience to hear about this is that this change in your eyesight is so gradual that you just sort of don't realize it's happening. You really don't. And I remember many times saying something to you, Bill, about your driving or about not being able to see well, and you would kind of grouse at me. But actually, I don't think you realized that your sight was anywhere near as bad as it was. So that's an interesting thing to note about your eyesight. You really just don't notice. And now that you can see, there's a huge difference. Huge. Absolutely huge. Now, we need to take just a small break to thank our sponsor for this show, and we'll be back in a sec. Time to thank one of our sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by Bullet Pad, 
the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points, giving structure to your great ideas. BulletPad is an outstanding tool for writers, thinkers, and folks like you. Begin organizing today. Get BulletPad for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for BulletPad. And we're back. So what is the experience, Bill? What happened after you went to the ophthalmologist? Did they explain to you what was going to happen? Well, she didn't really. She did explain that there would not be any more new glasses, at least until I had the procedure done, and that I would need it in both eyes, that my cataracts were advanced enough. She likened it to trying to see through a piece of wax paper or trying to see through a piece of glass that was covered in Vaseline mm. or possibly even trying to see through a shower door, you know. Wow. But I don't think mine was quite that bad, although I was losing my ability to see close. Everything was fuzzy, and that was, you know, I could see colors, I could see words, I could see objects, but nothing was crystal clear. Everything was fuzzy, and the smaller print became literally unreadable. If I had larger print or the headline type, yeah, no problem at all. But in your mind, it was all something wrong with your glasses, not In my eyes. mind, because if I had my magnifying glass, I could correct it. So I figured if I correct it with my magnifying glass, why don't they fix the magnification mm-hmm. of the dumb glasses and I'll be just fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> so your eyes were getting pretty darn bad, but you didn't know how bad. Well, and, and I wasn't really accepting that point of view per se. Cataract surgery is elective surgery. It's never emergency surgery. So you have quite a bit of time to make a decision. And really, it's your personal level of discomfort that really dictates what you do. And it's also dictated by your insurance package and how much it pays for the operation, how much your copay is, and how much you can even afford the copay. So there's a lot of factors in there. Some people don't elect to have it because they're afraid. But since I've had it, I can tell you right from the get-go that there really is nothing to be afraid about. The lenses that replace the cataract lenses, they're not exactly the same, are they? Well, the eye has this very amazing fluid-filled sac, which is the lens. And it sits in a little bag that sits in the front part of your eye behind the iris. The iris is the part that opens and closes. That's the part that's colored and gives you blue eyes or brown eyes or green eyes or whatever. And it's held by this bag, which is also kind of held with this muscular structure. So the muscular structure pulls on it and it can flatten this bag or it can make the bag thicker. And that's what changes your focus. That's what allows you to see far or to see middle or to see close up. And when we have problems with our vision, you know, it was discovered a few hundred years ago that this ground piece of glass that kind of would be propped in front of your eyes could help you refocus and then bang, give you your vision back. But when the cataract surgery is performed, when that lens inside that bag gets cloudy and the lens is then removed and there's a special technique that they use with 
ultrasonic vibration to break the lens up and then some suction to suck those broken particles until the bag is now empty. And then they take a piece of plastic, kind of round with these four little edges, like little grippers, if you will, like little fingers on four different quadrants of the circle. And it's folded up and they pop it down through this tiny little slit in in the bag of your eye and pop it open and boom, it sits there. It doesn't spin around because those four little fingers keep it from spinning around. It never gets infected because plastic doesn't get infected in your eye. The eye bag seals itself back up again, and it's held. But the focus is now, generally speaking, fixed. Now, just lately in the last few years, maybe the last eight or ten years, manufacturers have been coming up with a flexible focus lens that your muscles can actually change the focus of. And so you might never need glasses after that. But most surgeons don't handle that. And especially if you're in an institutional setting like I was, they don't carry that. They don't allow that. It is quite a bit more expensive. You know, the average cataract surgery costs 2000 to as much as $5,000 per eye. If you choose to have this very fancy, flexible, focusable lens, it could really be double that. The company that makes them still has patent and they're still charging a lot of money for their lenses and it costs more to have them dealt with. Surgeon charges more to deal with those. So it's more expensive all the way around. But, you know, it does sound really inviting because if I never, ever had to wear glasses again, that would be pretty amazing to me. So with this fixed lens that is not the one that you that your muscles can adjust for you, then you have to wear glasses. So you would get a lens for either nearsightedness or farsightedness, whichever you decide. You, well, they the, can't do both, apparently. The lens has a set focus. So in my case, I work on the computer all the time. I read all the time as well. I may spend... 8, 10, 12 hours a day, whether reading a book or reading a magazine or reading on the computer. So I opted to have a lens that would actually give me the close vision back so that I didn't have to worry about trying to get my close vision with a pair of glasses. Now, that pretty much guaranteed that I was going to need to wear glasses, like to drive, to see middle distances, When I'm in a supermarket to be able to read what's on the top shelf, I can't do that now. And I'll need glasses to be able to bring that stuff into focus. So things like from eight to 10 feet away, things that are down the street, two or three blocks, they're slightly out of focus and I am going to need glasses. But, you know, I've been wearing glasses for well over 20 years. So for me, wearing glasses till I'm gone, it's not going to bother me. So you really don't need glasses at all then for your close vision. You only need them for your far vision. Well, with my very first surgery, about four days in, I guess, I got up early one morning and I went to the bathroom as I normally do. And I didn't have my glasses. Of course, I was told the glasses wouldn't help me at that point because my prescription was all wrong. So I noticed something different. You know, when I got into the bathroom, turned on the light, wow, I could see better. I did what I had to do, finished up, washed my hands, came back to the bedroom and looked around, and boy, could I see the digital clock so much better. Hurriedly, I put on my robe, 
And I got my slippers and I went to the computer and turned the computer on. And oh my gosh, it takes forever to load up Windows on my PC. Kira's got the Mac and it's so much faster. But I finally got it loaded up and then I put on a browser and then I immediately loaded a page, one that I knew had a lot of fine print on it. And oh my gosh, I could read the fine print. I could see the page so clear. I didn't need any magnifying glass. I was sitting there reading it. And this is with one bad eye, one eye that's not been fixed and no glasses to correct that vision. And it was just amazing. And I was just amazed that the brain could take over and use my good eye and see everything and kind of ignore the fact that it couldn't see really well out of the eye that still had the cataract. <laughs> Sounds like kind of a miracle experience. <laughs> well, it really was quite amazing. When you get your cataract surgery, you go back the very next day and they check for things like pressure in the eyeball and they check to make sure that you don't have any bleeding and they check to make sure that there's no problem with your retina detaching and all kinds of things that they look at. And this is 24 hours after the surgery. So 24 hours after the surgery, I was still not a very happy camper. In passing, the doctor said, well, have you used your eye much? And I kind of grumbled, no. <laughs> and he said, well, just give it a rest and it will be fine. He said, one thing people notice is they think the colors are so much more vibrant, especially on a computer. Well, I wasn't having much of that. I didn't have my awakening, you know, for like two or more days after that. So like the fourth day out. But I have noticed that, say, two weeks out, and now that I've had my second one done, and I'm three weeks out from my second one being done, everything is so much more vivid on the computer. The colors are so much nicer. I can see, I get up in the morning, I don't need my glasses. I go to the computer, I do my work. I'm around the house, I can see great. My only struggles at this point, like I said, are the things on the upper shelves at the supermarket, being able to read the captions on the television. But I'm learning and I know that when I get my glasses, all of that will go away my glasses will correct for that because I've already had a couple of different eye tests for prescriptions, like pre-prescriptions, and I know that they're going to be able to correct it to at least 2020, if not 2015. It's going to be really quite remarkable. Now, I am in the waiting stage because until they do the final exam, which actually comes this week, two days from this podcast, then they'll see if I'm ready to actually have my prescription sent for new eyeglasses. But they want to make sure that everything is settled down. And in my first eye, it's been about six weeks. So yeah, everything's pretty well settled down in that. My second eye has been about three and a half, almost four weeks. So if they give me the okay, then I'll have the prescription sent to get new glasses. And then I'll probably get those in about two or three weeks. So it should be pretty exciting. Now, during all this time, while I've had great vision for reading and for seeing the computer and so on. It's been a struggle in other ways because I can't drive. Kira's been doing all the driving where I used to do all the driving. So I've had to learn how to be a passenger, which is not always easy for me. <laughs> kind of a backseat driver. <laughs> but I have worked on that. And she is really a fine driver. So, you know, that's been a relief. If I had no one, I would have struggled and probably chanced it on the road. I mean, I can see down the street. It's just that I find it a little bit 
shaky. Cars are coming at you very fast. You're going at them very fast. Probably not a great place to be. Had I had my eyes corrected for long distance, I could have been driving from even the first week. That's how much of a change it makes. So if I drove for a living or if I was, let's say, a a salesman on the road all the time or someone that used a car as much as I used to use it in days past, then, yeah, I would have had to opt for long-distance vision and had glasses to correct my reading. And I'm sure they could have corrected it with glasses to where it would have been fine. But now that suits me. My close work is back, working on little parts like, say, electronics or something. Perfect. So I'm happy camper there. Bill, I think we're going to have to take another break, and we'll be right back. Also sponsoring our show today is AppJudo, your complete web and mobile application development service. AppJudo uses the best technologies and computer science principles to build attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, AppJudo can help make your project a success. Visit AppJudo today at www.appjudo.com. And we're back. So, you know, the problems I experienced driving at night were the final clincher. And after the optometrist told me that I would need to have cataract surgery, you know, and I didn't accept it right away. I still didn't. And I came home and I began to study it. I studied on the computer. Well, again, there I am like four inches away from the screen with my magnifying glass trying to read these websites. And what a pain in the butt. I got some books out of the library. I shared one of those with you, but I'd like to share the second book with you right now. I got this really great book. It's a very thin book. It's called Cataracts, A Patient's Guide to Treatment. And it's by Dr. David F. Chang. And he's out of California. And he's done like personally 20,000 or 20,000 plus cataract surgeries. And he's one of the masters in the field. (laughs) Sounds like he'd know a thing or two about it. He knows a thing. And I tell you, that book is so thorough. It talks about the surgery. It talks about the beginning of the surgeries, like say in the 80s through the 90s. And they did have a lot more trouble back then than they do today. And he talked about how simple and common the surgery is today. He talked about the lenses, and that's where I first found out about ordering different prescriptions. And I'm telling you, my ophthalmologist did not want me to do that. Over and over again, several members of the team pulled me aside and said, now, are you sure you want to do this? Most of our patients correct for long vision, and oftentimes they don't need glasses at all or They might pull out a pair of reading glasses at the restaurant to read the menu. You sure this is what you want to do? And, you know, you could live your life probably glasses-free. We can't guarantee it. And I over and over again, I said, I want my close vision back. That is what is the most important to me. And over and over again, they said, okay. And even on the morning of the surgery, I said, now you're giving me the lens that will be the best for close-up work. And they said, yes, we are. So then when I had the second eye done, I went over it again. I said, now you're giving me the lens that will match my first lens. Because sometimes there is a pathway that they take where they put a close-up lens in one eye and they put a lens that works farther in the other eye. And then 
The brain just differentiates between the two. But I've always found that to be a problem for me, especially the very few times in my life where my prescription was done improperly and I had one pair of glasses. Oh my God, I almost tripped going down the stairs because I had one eye with one prescription and one eye with a completely weird other one and my brain just could not handle it. I was so afraid to go down that road. It worked for me. It may not work for everybody. In fact, for most patients, they may not like what I ordered. <laughs> so both of your eyes have this close vision lens. Both of them do. And I'm definitely going to need to wear glasses the rest of my life to get the far vision nice and crisp and clear back again. Now, the other book I already talked about, it's Dr. Robert Abel Jr., The Eye Care Revolution, Prevent and Reverse Common Vision Problems. And like I said, I advise most people to buy this book. It's filled with wonderful information about holistic medicine and about diet changes that you can make for all kinds of healthy responses in your body besides just eyes. So it's really a great handbook to have. As I say handbook, I don't mean that it's an A to Z manual. There is a book out there that was an A to Z encyclopedic type manual. I didn't care for that book. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I know a lot of traditional surgeons probably won't buy into many of the ideas that Dr. Abel presents in this book. But if you are into natural healing and if you're into supplementation and herbal changes, you know, this would be some excellent information. Yes, yeah, so if you know that you're a disciplined person who can change your diet habits and really be on top of all of that, certainly you'd have much better chance of succeeding with those remedies, I would think. In my own case, Kira and I have been on vitamin C therapy for well over a year now. In fact, we talked about it on one of our Healthy Tips podcasts. So I knew that I wasn't missing vitamin C. And I also think that glutathione is a wonderful, wonderful product. I'm not able to integrate it into my diet at this time in the quantity that they would like to have you try it for this particular reason. So I thought, well, I'm really not a candidate for the kind of therapy that he talks about in that book, but I'm definitely a candidate for the cataract surgery. And for me, it went fine. There wasn't much pain. It is not a painful procedure. Your eyes are numbed up. You are awake during it. You are covered in a gown and then covered in special coverings over your head and then over your eye. So it's all very straightforward, but they use a very bright light to look down into your eye while they're doing the surgery. And that light was irritating. They do give you something to sort of calm you down before you went back for your surgery. They do uh, kind of quiet you with an IV and some meds, but you know, you're not knocked out. They do want you to be awake because they want you to tell them if anything hurts or if anything is going wrong or if there's a particular poke that is not normal. They want to know that because then that tells them how the anesthesia is going. But you are not out, and the bright light is very severe. <laughs> I, I didn't like it at all. So that was the worst part of it. That was my part that I didn't like. Not everybody has that effect, because I know in talking with the optical technician afterwards, he said, well, some people are affected by that, and some people aren't so much. Your retina is what you know is receiving that light and is what is reacting to it. 
So a person who's as bad off as you were before you went in to have the surgery, you would definitely recommend that someone look into this kind of surgery. Well, I would say don't wait. Now, as far as your glasses are concerned, and most people that have cataract surgery, you know, have had eyeglasses before that time. The first thing about your eyeglasses is they're, they're going to be worthless because your prescription is totally changed. Now, even between the first eye and the second eye, some people have popped a lens out of the eye that had just been operated on and they're using the other lens on their other eye just as if they would normally use their glasses. Well, that didn't work for me. And I think partly it might have been because I did choose a lens that was good for close-up and my brain was now using this very clear eye and it was struggling with the eye that still had the cataract. And so it wouldn't really utilize the eye with the glasses. It just kind of refused <laughs> in mm -hmm. any way. In fact, one day I actually put a piece of paper in between my good eye and the glasses to force it to be covered and just was looking at the computer screen and I swear I couldn't see worth anything. It was just terrible. And I thought, well, this is worse than it was before I just had the surgery wow. you know, a week ago. I kind of had the feeling that the brain was trying to tell me, I'm not using that eye anymore, you know, just get it done and we'll move on. Yeah, it was interesting, the stories that you were telling about how your eyes compensated and your brain compensated for the poor performance of the one eye and actually made it obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. It really is amazing. And as I look back and as I was preparing this podcast and I was using the computer and I was using Microsoft Word and I was doing all the things that I normally do on the computer and I was thinking, what a wonderful gift because I'm not wearing glasses. Again, I haven't had my final eye exam. I don't have my new prescription. So therefore, I don't have my new glasses and I'm using my eyes just as if I was 30 years younger, maybe 40 years younger. Mm -hmm. And it's just a marvelous thing. So from my point of view, I would say if you're in a situation where things are starting to get blurry, if you're in a situation where you're making mistakes at night while you're driving, don't wait. Certainly talk to your optometrist. See if there's cataracts forming. If you already know they're forming, then go back and talk to them and say, you know, hey, I heard this guy on the podcast and maybe my eyes are getting worse than I thought they were. Now, if you can go on an herbal program and if you're seeing results, you may be one of those fortunate one out of three. That's great. Try it. That's wonderful. You know, I think in my case, that might be a little bit of what's happening I went back and actually looked in my files to see when it was that I was in for glasses last, and it's been over two years, and I really don't think I need another prescription. We've done away with most of the sugars, certainly most of the preservatives, and we're eating a whole food diet. We don't do refined foods very much. I don't eat bread and carbs that much anymore. And I've done away with almost all the sugar in my diet. So from time to time, if I do eat it, I notice a big difference, too. It's interesting that I will immediately see a weakening in my entire body, not just my eyes, if I do eat those foods for a few days. So it gets me right back on track because I notice the difference. And also doing that vitamin C. I'm going to be reading that book, that holistic book, and trying to add a few more tricks to my regimen and see if it doesn't help because I know that when I did go to the ophthalmologist, I was told that at the very outer edges, I was getting the formation of some cataracts coming on. So 
I knew I'd have to be keeping an eye on that, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will be increasing our use of glutathione and particularly to see if we can keep Kira from actually getting cataracts herself. Or at least postpone that (laughs) for as long as possible. I kind of like seeing through my own eyes. But some people, even in their 30s, have had cataracts develop, and that might be because they had some kind of chemical put in their eye when they were in their 20s. But barring that, it's not common for Mm -hmm. people to get them until their 40s, usually more so in their 50s, and then certainly in their 60s now. And a lot of times people in the past were retiring. They weren't out on the road. They didn't have as much responsibility. And so they kind of put up with it. They weren't big readers. And it was really until their 70s or even in their 80s that things began to get really, really hard to see. A woman could no longer thread a needle and do her sewing or some of the other things that might have happened. And so then that gets to the point where, yeah, I know something is really wrong Mm -hmm. and I got to do this. But today we're using our eyes so much more. We use the computer, most of us, every single day. So it shows up a lot sooner and it's more frustrating a lot sooner. If that's happening to you and you're not a candidate for holistic medicine, or you just don't believe in it, then by gosh, get into an ophthalmologist and then get recommended to a really good cataract surgeon. Because for them, this is a simple procedure and the mistakes are almost non-existent. Well, that's really encouraging to hear. I'm glad we had this conversation today. Well, I think that's pretty much where we can take it with our knowledge so far, and Bill is still on track to get his glasses, and so we can let you know later how that turns out. And we thank you so much for listening. That's going to be the end of our podcast for today, and we certainly welcome any comments that you have or perhaps questions. Go to our website, and you will see the links for these two books. And before we leave, we do want to say that we're not healthcare providers, and nothing that we say here should be misconstrued as medical advice. It's not meant to treat, diagnose, or prescribe anything. Everything that we share here is our own opinions. It's based on our own personal research and our experimentation. Thank you for being with us today on the Healthy Tips Podcast. To subscribe to our show, go to iTunes Podcast. Just look for Better Living Institute, the Healthy Tips Podcast. There you'll also find all the podcasts produced by the Better Living Institute, the Book Talk Podcast, the Love Stories Podcast, the Happy Kids Podcast, the Happiness Experience Podcast, and today's podcast, the Healthy Tips Podcast. At the Better Living Institute, we're creating health, wealth, and happiness, one loving conversation at a time. You can also find our podcast and view all of the great stories, photos, and links that we post by visiting our website at www.betterlivinginstitute.com. While there, please go to our contact page and leave us a comment. Kira and I encourage you to send us some feedback and also let us know if you have an interest in a specific health topic. You can also like and message us on Facebook. Just go to www.facebook.com forward slash Better Living Institute. In addition, our email address is feedback at betterlivinginstitute.com. 
We hope you'll listen again next time and remember to share our show with your friends and family. This is Karen Bill Van Ittersom for the Better Living Institute saying so long for now, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>